feeding sheep in containment or confinement at critical times of the year and during extended dry spells is becoming a key tool for producers looking for more flexibility and control in their production system. In this episode, we hear from someone who does it well and we hear from a vet who has some extra technical tips. Welcome to The Yarn, the number one wool industry podcast. I'm Marius Cumming. So confinement or containment feeding reduces stock energy requirements by up to 15%. It makes stock feeding quicker and easier. It allows for easier monitoring and weighing of stock, maintains paddock ground cover, protects valuable pasture and soil, and allows for more rapid recovery of pasture after rain. But interestingly, containment has also been used to reduce the condition of ewes in early pregnancy that may have been in a good paddock for too long. So the topic of containment feeding was part of a Western Australian Livestock Research Council Sheep Innovation Day recently, where Ellie Bigwood caught up with Nibing wool grower and stud breeder Alan Hobley, who gave his experience. So we started our confinement feeding two years ago. Um, after a series of really dry starts, um, we decided we needed to do something. Um, I've probably made the point today that we've, we've adapted so much of our cropping systems just you know to uh for the seasons we've been given and we haven't really done that with our livestock businesses um so yeah we looked down the path of yeah the confinement feeding looked at lot, lots of different models um and then yeah come up with with the one that we actually ran with in the end which was the, the trough based system feeding daily on the front of the pen um and it was a two-part thing. One was obviously for the sheep, but also we're trying to establish better quality pastures, vetch pastures. Um, and so to do that, we need to be able to confine sheep, keep them off there and hopefully have plenty of good feed mm-hmm. later in the year. So talk us through the initial setup. So the feeds you were using, um, the sizes of pens, etc. Um, so what we did to start with, we haven't gone on a massive scale to start with just in case it didn't work, but we've sort of built a, a confinement feeding pens um, to hold around 2,000 breeding ewes. Um, so at this stage we've built pens that were 50, more, 50 metres by 50 metre pens. Um, so, and pretty simple setup with a, with a feed trough on the front, laneways on, an access laneway on the bottom side and a feed, feed trough on the feed side. Um, and so basically it was done, yeah, to, so we could have a simple action of feeding the sheep. So it was not going into pens, um, sheep obviously getting access to good feed that's up off the ground. Um, so we initially started feeding with grain, had a few issues with feeding with grain, um, and then since then have moved to a pellet. And, um, yeah, basically this year was sort of probably more making sure the system worked properly and we had a really good... You know, year in the confinement feed lot, we didn't. I think we lost one ewe, and and um, and as far as yeah, the way they performed and when they went out, it was yeah, exceptional. So when since you started with your fifty by fifty pens and you had your two thousand breeding ewes on it, have you expanded on it, or is there anything that you've revisited or done differently since initially setting up? Um, not a huge amount different. We will now expand it. We're hoping to. We'll be joining around four thousand ewes this coming. Um, February um, so w- there's not a lot we would change to the current system we're a li- little bit limited with space as to where we built the original one mm. um, but it all joins with laneways we've got other options further up that now we'll look to expand it and probably put in uh, younger dry sheep um, 
you know, so hopefully in time we'll have nearly all, all sheep in confinement. So we didn't put any stud use or anything in there to start with. We just tried to keep it relatively simple. Um, but as far as the way we designed it and how effective it was, there wasn't a lot we'd change. Um, a couple of people have modelled theirs off what we've done and we've suggested a couple of different things, um, but nothing too extreme. Yeah. So let's talk about the benefits. That's always um, the good stuff. So what has confinement feeding offered your business um obviously during the drought um really really good for giving your giving your sheep feed um etc but like deferring pastures that's what we're hearing a lot about now what's confinement feeding offered for you um i suppose yeah the initial bit of deferring pastures um but on top of that originally when we first set it up we literally had barely any water anywhere after three really dry years and no real runoff um, so first and foremost, we at least got some good quality drinking water. We had a couple of hundred thousand litre tank that we put up by the road, which was accessed by a truck, obviously gravity feeding the feedlot. So we had at least, we were carting a lot of water, but at least we were carting, carting to one tank, one point, and we irrigated. I think at one point we had nearly 6,000 sheep watering off that one tank because mm-hmm. the, the, the pipe goes further beyond the, uh, the feedlot. So we had smaller paddocks beyond that that were had sheep in them. So... For the benefit of the water at first and foremost, so they had good quality water. And then, yeah, deferring pastures, if you want to go and start sowing or trying to establish good quality pastures, we needed to do something that was going to give us the chance to do that. And on top of that, allow us to spray out paddocks, move on with our cropping program without having to be restricted by, yeah, decisions around the sheep. So it was probably more, you know, the sheep were very content. They were all fed up well. Um and knowing full well that we had probably the um, less stressful knowing that you were in control of what you were doing, I think. Um, so even in that dry start on the first year, you know, the stress levels were low, we were seeding. We, yes, it wasn't raining, but we knew that the sheep were in good order um, and we knew that at some point in time the season would turn and they would go out onto good quality feed. So now that the season has turned, um, thank goodness for everyone, um, has confinement feeding become... An important part of your grazing management and your pasture systems now? Yes, definitely has. Um, I think early on when we started people made the comment that perhaps if you get a start probably like we've had this year that you know it wouldn't be necessary but we've probably looked at it more more broadly than that. We've sort of thought well these are the years where we can really um, make hay while the sun shines or the opposite not shining. (laughs) Um, So in our case sowing you know like these veg pastures it's probably allowed us to um, have something that's versatile in the system that we could have you know, locked up four or 500 hectares of vetch, mm. maybe harvest it, maybe cut it for hay for the confinement feeding later on. Um, so probably, no matter what, still making the most of the rainfall we've been given. So if that's growing extra feed that we can later cut and store or grain that we can grow and harvest and sell or for seed or whatever else. So I suppose it was probably more holistic than... Um, just for dry starts it was this is what we're going to do from now on Mm -hmm. and if we have a ripping start like we've had this year then we'll make the most of it Mm -hmm. Um, and if we don't well then we're in a better position than than what we would have been in. Mm -hmm. So the categories or the classes of sheep that you've gone there got on there or got in the confinement feeding Mm -hmm. you talked about breeding ewes is that the only class of sheep that you run through or do you have different um different mixes yeah so at the moment we've put in um we started out just commercial ewes that were 
in lamb so that's where we, that, that was our starting point because at least we were looking after them they were sort of and I didn't want to put stud ewes in there in case we had issues and um, yeah we did have some issues so I'm glad they weren't in there to start with um, but probably just at the moment it just doesn't have the scale to put every sheep in there but as I said earlier today we did have um, like last year being an extremely late break and obviously letting sheep out to lamb in that mid to end of June to lamb in July uh, we then did run dry sheep, so young ewes, into the confinement. Mm-hmm. So you have got that option of, if it's a real shocking start like we had last year, we were able to bring those dry sheep in, yeah. put them in confinement, the ones that weren't going to lamb, and then um, release the others out onto the onto the pastures that we had. And even then, you know, in a pretty ordinary start, they were at least reasonable pastures. Mm-hmm. And the cost of setting up the infrastructure, have you? what were the initial costs, and if you don't mind me asking, and... The return on the investment that you've seen? Um, so I did do some costings. Uh, it was around about three and a half grand, I think, a pen in the end. I think it worked out to be, something like that. Um, so that was including, the, obviously, everything, the, the pipe, the uh, tank, I'm pretty sure, which obviously now it's there, we can continue on and do more penning. Um, so, yeah, we worked out about three and a half grand a pen. So I think we spent around 40 odd to $50,000, I think, setting up what we've done there now. Um, which really, um, f- when you say looking at the benefit to your business, well, I think it's far outweighed oh, in the first year. You know, mm. um, having control over what you're doing, first and foremost, peace of mind um, is worth a hell of a lot to start with. Um, but as far as the condition that ewes went out in, we were feeding, yes, we were feeding a lot of pellets, but we were feeding less than what we would have been because we had more control over what we're feeding. The sheep, at the other end, we're in far better condition, you know, not walking it all off. Um, and, yeah, I think more than anything, the stress on the animals and, and on us was far less. So, I mean, I think it's a no-brainer, basically. You were talk- oh, Speaking of feed, you were talking about consistency of feed being important to your confinement feeding earlier? Yeah. Um, we had issues when we first started with a bit of inconsistency in in our own grain ration and we did have issues that's why we did lose some ewes um with especially later in pregnancy and twin bearing ewes um through preg tox um but this year we you know we had a consistent feed of pellets um consistently you know with the straw um just tried to keep it i mean as boring as possible for that that two week uh, two month period sorry um, because I think anything that upsets the ewes, you know, can potentially lead to loss or something like that. Um, but just keeping it really consistent, feeding every day. Um, yeah, you can up, up your ration and your intake, but we probably had a better system this year. We sort of shore, we shear sort of the end of March, early April. So we're able to shear, take sheep to feed lot straight off, off shears. So it was the formula of what we were trying to do. Yeah, they were drenched, vaccinated, into feedlot, into confinement, mm-hmm. um, and just worked. Yeah, worked a treat. Were there un- were there any other sneaky benefits? Like you talked about earlier, that yep. shy feeders aren't as apparent in a confinement feeding system. In this particular trough-based feeding system, yeah, shy feeders was well, we didn't really notice any. Might have been the odd one, you know, an H pen or whatever. Um, I think the benefits of it for this system is one, it's simplistic. So that's important for most people. Um, you know, the ability to... I mean, we haven't got scales on the feeder that we feed into the trough, but I know, you know, it's... I know they get 180 kilos a pen or whatever it might be, so we match the sheep. Sorry. You know, that's right. right, you're getting a bit more mozzy. <laughs> I'm getting a 
<laughs> you match the sheep, uh, you know, requirements to the to the trough. So, for example, you know, we'd have less less use in if it's twin bearing in that pen, and they can access. They might be on seven eight hundred grams a head, mm-hmm. and the single bearing use might be on you know five hundred grams a head a day or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, added bonuses. Well, last year it was still still dry. We'd had rain, but still dry at the back end of the year. So we actually decided to. Uh, wean all our weather lambs uh, straight into the confinement, straight into feedlots, so straight off mum. But with the system we've got, we're able to put self-feeders in there. It can act as a self-feeding feedlot, feedlot basically, pen. So we wean them straight in there, off straight off mum, literally, and drop them straight in onto pellets and hay. And, um, yeah, and so they were sold and gone, or Sean sold and gone within six weeks, I think, of being in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we didn't plan on doing that but it was something that we were able to do because we had the setup to do it so I suppose the versatility of that type of setup allowed you to do it and finally like key learnings or key messages from from Moringa Park about anything that you might have done differently um a few little things we would have done differently um which we would have probably packed down gravel on the feed trough end uh, on the feeding side of the trough end or conveyor belt or something just so they don't chop out depending on your soil type, um, that we probably would have done differently. If you have got the ability to have a site, I mean, ours is well drained, not a lot of shelter. If you had potentially had some more protection with shelter, um, that would be important if you could... depends on your farm and your system and where it sits with yards, laneways, everything else. And whether um, your sheep will ring bark trees as yeah, it's come up today. Yeah, that's right. You've got all those issues as well, so they've obviously got options of shade sales and all those sorts of things. Um, but I think getting your site near your yards... Probably not as vital for confinement feeding because generally the sheep go in there. You're not necessarily trying to body weigh them to send them anywhere else. You just need to know that they're content and in good condition and they pretty much go out from that point. So, um, But, yeah, main sure you've got access to good quality water. Um, you know, We've got now a key dam that is full now, which is pleasing, so we can put a solar pump on, pump to this tank that we've put by the road, and, and now we're going to have good quality water, which is good. Um, but, yeah, just have a think about... Um, making sure that you make a, make make something that's going to suit what you're trying to do and it's accessible and simple and, yeah, don't complicate it. But you definitely recommend that other producers, other wool growers, um, consider it as another string to their bow in their operation. Oh, absolutely. I think it's probably the biggest thing that will push your production over any other thing you would do um, because it allows you, yeah, so much more in us in you, you got so much more control in any season mm-hmm. and you know i think i mentioned today about i may have already mentioned it on this <laughs> podcast but i uh you know what we've done in the cropping space to adjust for seasons is instrumental um and we have done nothing really to help the sheep adjust for these starts and you know um something like this completely revolutionizes it, it takes all the stress out of it um sheep are in fantastic condition and makes life a lot easier. I think that's a great way to wrap up this interview. Alan, thanks so much for joining us on The Yarn, and may the rest of 2021 bring home the goods for you guys. Thanks a lot. Cheers, Ellie. Alan Hobley from Warringah Park, Palmerino's there with Ellie Bigwood. So Dr. Michaelia Seal is a vet with Genstock in the southwest of WA, and she says there are some key things to get the most out of containment feeding. 
Yeah, well, there's several things to make the most out of your confinement. And when we're talking confinement, we're talking feeding those animals to their requirements. So in order to do that, you need to know their pregnancy status. So pregnancy scanning for your multiples and singles and even fetal ageing can help with your management and target your nutrition to meet those body condition scores required for to maximise lamb survival, right? And the other thing is is roughage. We need that rumen to be functioning, like a, to functioning its optimum. So we need a 10 to 15% um, effective fibre and we need about one kilo to one and a half kilos per head per day just so we've got that good rumination and they are utilising their feed effectively. Um, the other thing is is calcium, to be considering that with your ration. Over here in WA in particular, they come usually coming off stubbles and a lot of cereal grain feeding, and we know that they are deficient in calcium. So we need to make sure that we're replenishing their supplies so we're at reduced risk of hypocalcemia. Mm-hmm. Um, and even subclinical hypocalcemia can lead to increased dystocias and mastitis. So we really want to make sure that we're getting our supplementations right for that. Um, the other thing that I, I've seen with a few clients is feeding on the ground i think we've got to try and lift those troughs up so we don't not getting that fecal contamination of that food area um because if we increase that fecal contamination we can get increased risks of diseases that can be bacteria that are spread and get issues and i've seen some um um, abortions pop up with those so we want we want roughage in the pens we want one to one and a half kilograms of roughage per head Per day. Per day. Per head per day in the pens. Um, we want to look out for that risk of hypercalcemia. We want to supplement with um, calcium being on that grain ration. Feed off the ground, important. Let's talk about water quality. Okay, water quality is really important because if there is reduced quality in the water, we're going to reduce that feed intake. And we reduce that feed intake, we're not going to get be meeting our body condition scores and increased risk of pregnancy toxemia and those kind of things. So we need to make sure we've got good clean water. We don't want it too salty. So we get at we get production losses at 4,000 um, parts per million. So we really need to make sure that it's below that. So I tend to say below three and a half thousand um, parts per million of salt. Um, sheep can, can if it's a gradual change in that salinity, they can tend to cope. But if it's suddenly, if it's order, suddenly high or they're starting off high, we do see that reduced feed intake. So what about other any other considerations in confinement feeding? Like you've obviously got sheep in quite a dense area. Do you need to be monitoring them for particular illnesses, um, biosecurity considerations, things like that? Yeah. Well, it's mainly when you've got them in that confined area is making sure they've got enough headspace to get into the feeder. And I tend to find that you want to feed more often than what you think, okay? You can't be feeding them once a week, you know? They're just going to bombard that and you're going to get health issues and acidosis as well and increased risk. So um, a lot of my clients are feeding daily or every second day so that the the sheep aren't absolutely um, raging towards the, the, the feed when it comes out. Um, they do come up and clean it up pretty quickly, but they're not jumping across each other. And we want to make sure that they've got enough access to get into the feed so that they can get their requirements for their pregnancy status. So I have some clients that feed out the same amount in all the pens, 
but they change the number of animals depending on their pregnancy status. And then I've got other clients that have different feed rates for different pens depending on what what the number of animals in their pregnancy status to make sure they're meeting those requirements. So everyone's got to work out what works best for them and what's going to work in their system and to make it as simple as possible depending on what else they've got going on on the farm. Well, that goes in line with what um, Alan Hobley, who we just listened to on The Yarn, just said as well. Simplify it, like do what works for you. So I think that ties in quite nicely. Um, Condition score in pens. Okay, so we, we've got to aim to meet our condition scores for the optimum lamb survival. So in a merino, for a single bearing ewe, we've got a condition score of 3. For multiple bearing ewe, a 3.3. Your maternals, you're looking at it for a twin, 3.2 to 3.3, but a single, 2.7. So it's making sure that we've got them at meeting those condition score requirements when we're going to release them and they're going into lambing. So sometimes I tend to find that after that four-week period, you might have done your initial one, having yards close by that you can get them through condition score, you sometimes might need to do a bit of a shuffle around um, and to get that the 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 pen's right to meet their requirements. And sometimes I tend to find that may be required if they've got to be in there for extended period. We've had a good season this year. It was more critical last year with the season that we had. And we had to defer the release from confinement um, because of our feed availability. We've pregnancy scanned our sheep. We've got their condition score in the right order, um, whether they're single or twin bearing. If we want to take them out of confinement, what are the key considerations that we need to think of if we're putting them back out in the paddock? One of the biggest things that I find is hungry sheep going out, right? If they're going out, they're going to gorge on the feed and we see an increased risk of pulp or kidney. So you want to make sure that you're giving a vaccination. If they haven't been vaccinated within the previous three months, I'd be giving a vaccination 10 days, at least 10 days before they go out, ideally prior to confinement, but depending on what works in your system. But this also has the added benefit of improving, um, elevating the maternal antibodies for for the lambs. Um, so if we've got to manage it, if you're feeding out maybe every second or third day, maybe consider feeding them out in the morning, letting them out in the afternoon, or loading them up with hay so they're not hungry sheep that are going to go just absolutely smash that green feed that you've deferred to make sure is available for you for your use. And finally, you know, you know a lot about confinement feeding and the management of it. Have you seen some really great success success stories and the people that are doing it um, to the best of their ability are getting some great results? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So one of the biggest things I'm hearing is lamb survivability. Okay, not only are we having more feed available to those sheep and we're getting less erosion and all those benefits, but it's lamb survival with that cover that these lambs are getting because we've had some shocking weather during lambing this year and just that added cover in those paddocks that the user going out to lamb on has really paid up benefits to, to producers, So, which is just an added benefit that we're getting out of confinement and... Which is quite amazing because you'd think deferring pastures would be for the nutritional component of it, but the shelter um, for the lamb survival side of it. And yeah, which is another fantastic added benefit. 
Oh, it is. It is great. And probably a benefit that we weren't initially thinking about when everyone was starting to think about confinement feeding, it was all to prevent erosion and have feed availability and tying up less paddocks to, because most of our guys in WA are mixed sheep and cropping to have those available. Um, and yeah, it's an added benefit that we can, yeah, reap the benefits from. <laughs> Too many benefits. <laughs> We were we're, both thinking that we're we're all about finding more benefits here. That's fine. (laughs) Michaela, it's always a pleasure to have you on The Yarn. Thanks for joining us and thanks for always sharing your wisdom with us. No, Elliot, it's great to have you across in WA with us and seeing you out and about at these sheep events. So it's always great to catch up. Yes, indeed, AWI has benefited greatly from having Ellie Bigwood in her native WA. And thank you to the WA Livestock Research Council for those interviews from their Sheep Innovation Day. We heard there from Dr. Michaelia Seal and earlier, Alan Hobley. So there's no shortage of information about setting up, using and indeed releasing stock from containment. And that can be found at wool.com, but also you will find plenty of information at mla.com.au and through your state Department of Agriculture, as all states have plenty of information on that. From me, Marius Cunning, thanks for having a yarn with us.